0: Hey church, great to see you all. Is everyone well? Fantastic. I should tell you, right, I have a little, there's a switch on here, right? And you switch it one way to turn it on and the other way off. So I have a little acronym to remember because it's right on, left off. So right on, yeah, that's the way I remember it. And I've gone left. I literally got up and went left. I went left and that's why it didn't work. I failed, but I'm not a failure. So that's good, isn't it? Um, Okay, we're right in the middle of our series From Stress to Freedom. So I'm guessing that some of you may have come in here because you want to hear about stress and how you can overcome it and how you can, you know, is there an antidote to it when it appears at times? And I've got some good news for you. I'm going to share some of my wisdom of what's going to help you. But why should I share my wisdom? What good am I to you? My testimony regarding stress is one of um, anxiety, fear. Um, even moments of depression. I wouldn't say I've been a person that's been depressed, generally quite a a cheerful person and a, a jovial person, but sometimes it can be when you're quite a happy person and you're right up there that you can have them lows that come with the highs. I wouldn't say I'm a, I was sort of just caught at the end of a, a documentary on Robin Williams last night. It's only a few minutes, but he's a classic example of it. You see him on stage and he's just all happy and you think, wow, he's the life and soul of the party. What this amazing guy. But when you drill beneath the surface, you find out that actually he was suffering from depression for a long, long time. And it affected him greatly. Now, I wouldn't describe myself as that. What I would describe myself as is a person that has suffered in the past with anxiety and fear and emotions that have not been I've not known how to deal with I've not known how do you how do you stop these what do you do with them where do you go with them it wasn't something we talked about growing up my, my home life growing up it was nothing like that whatsoever in fact there was a moment this week we were uh, counseling a couple this week and they're going through an awful situation a, a, a divorce and it's not been good. And we sat there with them, counselling them, talking them through. It was, a, it, it was an incredible situation because out of the ashes, out of the ashes, something in, in the worst situation you could imagine came out of those ashes. There was a real God moment, wasn't it, Vicki? It was, it, it was incredible. But there was a significant moment for me, and I didn't realise it until halfway through, And I sat there as their two children are in the other room playing with our children. And and I suddenly realized I've been through this before. Those feelings suddenly came back because I've been that seven-year-old who's been in another room while my two parents have been battling out what's going to happen to my life. And that suddenly hit me and I had to kind of deal with those emotions in that moment so I could carry on with the situation. But in the past, I've had emotions that have come on me and I've literally not known what to do with them or how to deal with them. And I, w- I suspect that I'm not the only person. I suspect that some of us have all had that experience of being in that situation, emotions come on you and everything in your brain is telling you that, no, I don't want to feel like this. I don't even believe what I'm feeling, but those emotions are still there and being gripped by something. I want to help to navigate you through that, maybe to help you to understand it a little bit and to get you through the other side. I, I, I want to talk about two emotions in particular. I already kind of touched on them, but fear is a, is a great example to, to give. Fear is different as an emotion to emotions like anger, jealousy, shame, hate, love. You see, all those later emotions, shame. To have shame, to feel shame, you have to think. It doesn't just happen. To feel love, there has to be some thought that goes on. And there's a meaning behind love. I know that love is an emotion, but there's still thought that goes on with that. To feel jealousy, jealousy. You have to analyse the situation. You have to look at the situation and go, they've got something that I haven't got, and I want it. I would like that, and you have to feel that jealousy. It's a thought. There's a thought process that goes through it. Anger's the same, and 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 hate, and all of those others. But fear is a particular type of emotion that you don't analyse in your brain. It. Happens and a, a great example of it. I'll give you a few examples. A, a, an obvious one that's nothing really to do with fear is if you ever had that experience where you smell something and it takes you back to a memory, yeah. We've all had that experience. The, and I can say that quite confidently. That's because the, you, you, the, the smell receptors in your nose, doesn't sound quite nice, that, does it? The smell receptors in your nose. They have a direct link to your brain, right? They don't go through the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, not to get too technical, but that's the thinking part of the brain. That's the bit that your, uh, your eyes and your ears and stuff like that, they will send information to that part Of the brain, if it needs to be processed and thought about. But before it ever gets there, there is a a section that it goes to in your brain, a part of your brain that decides does it go to the thinking bit or does this go straight to the reaction bit? For example, imagine you were there and suddenly a guy appeared round the corner with a gun. You saw him literally there in in the middle of nowhere and he hadn't seen you. Do you wanna be thinking about that situation? Do you wanna be sat there analyzing and going, there's a guy with a gun, he's not seen me yet, what should I do? Probably by that time you might have lost the opportunity to escape and get round the corner before he has a chance to see you. So your brain is designed and it's clever and it's meant to be like this, that there's certain reactions that your brain is meant to process and you don't have the ability, you don't have the option, the, the thinking you to do anything about it. Your brain takes over, it goes into emergency mode, autopilot and it deals with it and smells are like that. You don't think about the smell and go oh that smell oh, I'm going to think about what that means to me suddenly those thoughts just come that's that's again that's because smell is an important uh, sense because danger you can uh, smell can give you danger if something's you know food is off or whatever you need to know it straight away So, fear is one of those emotions. It bypasses the thinking part of the brain. And so, if something you see with your eyes, like a masked man, my wife, if she sees a masked man, she immediately is gripped by fear. Immediately. To this day. And that's because when she was growing up, she was, there was a, a raid. They were in a, a, looking in the window of a jewellers, and some, some masked men came to, to, literally to raid the jewellers. And she was left in there, in the shop, on her own. That was it. On her own, the practically perfect person in, in, in our midst here <laughs> kind of ran off and left her. But anyway, we won't go too far down that. Down that. I jest. I'm sure there was more to it than that. But anyway... But Vicky, when when she sees a masked man, it's a reaction thing. Immediately, she's gripped by fear. There's no processing goes on. There's no like, hold on, that's just like a, a carnival. That's just a guy in a mask. I don't need to worry about this person. It's just an automatic response. And that's because the brain is designed to do that. And it's good to know that because, number one, you can... It helps yourself to deal with that. And number two, you can know that when that comes on you, that you don't have to feel stupid about it. You don't have to feel embarrassment. You don't have to then think about what just happened and think, I got scared there by that loud noise. How stupid am I? Because it was only a car backfiring. Why did I suddenly get all feared and gripped and everything? It's, that's a normal thing. My brain is meant to do that. I'm meant to respond like that. The problem is it's fine if a car backfires and you're kind of like suddenly gripped by a moment of fear, but then you realise it's a car and, and you know you have that, that few moments afterwards and everything comes down, the adrenaline and the cortisol, it's coursing through your veins, it has time, it might take a few minutes or even half an hour for it just to calm down, but eventually it goes and you're okay and you can get on with the rest of your life and, and everything as well. That's fine, isn't it, a situation like that. But what happens if you face a situation and it's something that you can't avoid and it's quite repetitive and suddenly whenever that thing happens it grips you in fear but that fear doesn't just go within 5, 10, 20 minutes it lasts for days. And you don't know what to do about it. Maybe it's for you it could be that it's confrontation. Maybe you're suddenly in a situation where you know there's going to be a confrontation Uh, someone says something to you like they want to speak to you and suddenly you're gripped with fear. And you're like, oh, oh, for days, it could be that that meeting is not going to be for another week. But you spend that whole week gripped by fear and worry and anxiety over this meeting. Could be your boss. Could be some, you know, some guy who, who, who's just typically had a, a history of being you know, aggressive or whatever it is. Who knows? Well, I don't think that it's healthy. In fact, I got to a point in my life where this was happening to me. All the time. A, a, a word. It, it got to a point at one point in my life where I had to change the, the, the text message tone on my phone. Because the sound of it would grip me with fear. How stupid's that? That's not kind of that and, and, and that, I, I, that's kind of a vulnerable thing to share. Because in my natural mind, that sounds quite stupid for me to be stood up here and saying that. It, it, it almost sounds like, well, you know, what, are you some kind of weakling? Are you a wimp? Are you, you know, well, what, is, what is up with you? What is wrong with you that you can't deal with that? But I got to the point where I knew, well, I decided. I just went, I'm not prepared to live my life like this anymore. Yeah. It was a moment and I decided I am not prepared to live my life like this Anymore. And here's the thing I'm sad to say at the time I was a Christian. It wasn't like, oh, suddenly I became a Christian and everything just was everything was all right and everything was brilliant. And I know some of you might think, oh my goodness, that's terrible. We can't be saying that in church. But I could say that to you. I could say I became a Christian and everything was perfect, but I'd be lying. I think that's worse, to be quite honest. So I think there's two ways of. Two processes that we go through in life as a Christian that God explains to us in terms of dealing with things. One is the, the, the change that happens that is instantaneous. It's in the twinkling of an eye. It could be healing, it could be that you, you had a, a health situation and maybe someone prayed for you and suddenly you were I- I immediately healed and well and healthy and there was no, there was no process that you needed to go th- through. It could have been that you became a Christian, and you, the way you, were live, you lived your life previously had been quite bad, and you had to deal with that, and you had to make some changes. Now, I would imagine there'd probably be some quite instant changes that would happen when you know you have that real revelation moment, and you, you're suddenly aware of God, and you have that understanding of God, the eureka moment, and you're like, my life's got to change. But what typically what's going to happen is you're going to find there's some, still some traits there that remain, that don't just go on their own. And they're the ones that take time. They're the ones that take that word discipline. It's about getting into good, healthy habits, the renewing of the mind, the Bible calls it. So it's not just, and and that's an ongoing process, it's not just that we become a Christian and suddenly everything's taboo and we're all great people now. It's that, no, actually some things get dealt with in the moment, but not everything. Some things take time. Some things take a lifetime to deal with. However, this is one that I I don't really, I have an antidote to it. God has given me an antidote to the fear and the anxiety and the worry. So it's not that it doesn't come on me. It's not that, you know, things don't happen and suddenly I have a moment of fear. It's that now I know what the antidote is. It's a bit like the doctor giving you a prescription and you know that whenever that pain comes on, you take that tablet and it goes and it's just gone. And and there's no here's the thing with the difference with a tablet is they often have side effects, don't they? But when something's from God, there's no side effects with them. God brings us good things, and no kind of like sting in the tail that goes with it. How great is that? How amazing is that? And so I want to share six things that have transformed my life, a cure if you like, to fear. And a cure means that the situation is no longer able to have control over you anymore. It doesn't mean it won't come back. It doesn't mean it won't have a go at you again. It doesn't mean that those situations will be gone and you'll never face problems or or people who want to confront you or put you into fear or anything like this, but you'll know how to deal with it. It will no longer have any power over you anymore. The moment you put into practice the antidote, it is powerful, it is effective, and it deals with it every single time. That is my testimony. That is my testimony. I want to share some of these things that will, that will help you. Some of you in here, you can't find a safe place. You seek it. You're praying for it. But wherever you go, wherever you are, the things that are on your mind are with you. You don't need to be. They don't need to be. I think there's two things that we need and one of them is healing but i want to share the six steps to it i'll give you some examples fatima a syrian refugee she won't leave home without a loaf of bread sarah she won't go to bed at night without checking under the bed for snakes she lives in the uk david these are these are genuine people david he's had headaches at the time that this was written for over two years, and there's nothing wrong with him. All the tests have been done and everything, there's nothing wrong with him, but he just gets these headaches that just come on, and there doesn't seem to be any reason for them whatsoever. Rose, she goes to leave the house, and she leaves, sometimes she's fine and everything's alright, other times she leaves the house, and suddenly she's got a panic attack on her, grips her with fear, thoughts and images come flooding back and she's in distress. It's funny, Vicky talked, uh, Was it this? I've lost track of time, now, was it this morning or was it the beginning of the meeting this afternoon? I think it might have been in her word actually, I've lost track of which one it was. Um, but one of the things that, uh, about this series is all stress isn't bad. There's a stress that's good, it's a motivational stress, but there's a stress that's bad attacks your health, that's damaging, that you have no control over, that there's no escape from, and that is bad stress, and I don't believe, I don't want, it's my desire that no one's struggling with that, that we find freedom, so fear is reactive, and sometimes you can be left with scars, the first one, let's go through them, have you, has anyone brought a pen and a, and a notepad with them, Yeah? So yeah, yeah, it's hands going up all around. Can, can I tell you, right, we, we say this regularly, I don't come to church without a pen and a, pe- and a notepad. No matter where I am, I've always got something with me that I can take notes. In fact, I've generally, I go through my life, I, I, and nowadays you can just have an app on your phone, can't you? Because you've generally got your phone with you wherever you are. I have, I have an app where I can kind of type on it, and I have an app where I can just literally just press a button and suddenly it's, it's recording instantly. It's like on the home screen. Press a button and it's recording straight away. So if I need to kind of make a note, I, I can do it wherever I am and I don't need to worry about it. Because I've found in my life that I can be in places and I can hear something that's incredibly powerful. And I, and I just know that is life transforming. And, and do you realize, anyone had that experience? God can do that any hour of the day or night. Yeah. So we've kind of got to be always ready to, to take that down. Now in the old days, you know, you'd know, you carry a little notepad and a, and a pen with you, wouldn't you? Or in the really, really old days, you'd have a handkerchief and you'd put a knot in it to remind you and stuff like that. Literally, that's what they would do. Or in the really, really old days, they'd have a staff and they'd put a little mark in it or a notch in it. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says about how the, the, the prophets of old, they would lean on their staff and essentially, what it's saying is they're leaning on the promises of God, all the things that He's given them. That's their strength. The leaning on that. I've got, I've got notes, beyond notes of stuff that I've written down and kept because it's so powerful. Now. And for me, it gives integrity to God, and it says to the, to the Lord, "Hey, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm listening." I'm taking you seriously. Anything you say, I always want to hear it. I'm going to make a note of it. I'm going to put that, I'm going to implement that into my life. I'm going to change as a person based on what you've said. The first one, number one, write this down. It's spiritual. Number one, it's spiritual. Right at the very heart of it, right at the centre of all of these six principles, the first one is, It's is spiritual. Everything is spiritual, But the answer to fear and anxiety and worry and all of those things, one of the, 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 the key parts of it is it's spiritual. If you miss this bit out, I, but actually, I reckon you could probably do the other five and miss this one out, and you'll get some relief from it, but you won't get permanent relief. You won't get a permanent cure. It won't work as it's meant to. It will be missing a crucial key aspect. It is spiritual. The solution is spiritual. It's visions, it's dreams, it's prayer, it's in the worship when you're there and there's that moment where the bridge is coming on in the, um, in, in the song before I, but I will build my life and I just heard the guitar and it went into that minor key and it was just beautiful. I, I wanted to get up and, and, and just get him to do it again. I even sat there and I thought, do we ask the band to stay on stage and just do that again? In that moment, I just thought about God and, 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 and I just thought that is so beautiful and God created music. God created music. That minor key, that minor chord in context of where it was in the song was just for me, I don't know if anyone else can of get, it was just, that is beautiful. Wayne's nodding, he knows he's a musician. <laughs> I used to be a bit of a musician, nothing like Wayne. It's in prayer. It's in them moments where you're With God, you can't put a physical thing on it, but you know he's speaking to you. And it's got to be. This has to be a a part of it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, and and it was written down for us all to hear, you must be born again. And and what he's on about is not a fleshly birth. Jesus explained this. He doesn't mean born of the flesh. He means spiritual birth. You've been born practically. You have a body. You have a mind and all of this stuff. But Jesus said, no, you must be born again. But the second birth is a spiritual awakening. Can we say that? I know it's been hijacked a little bit by the world and stuff like that. But do you know where that came from? From God. From God. God is spirit. God is spirit. Unfortunately, the demons are as well. So they're around and and they're having their bit and up to mischief. Yeah, good one, Vicky. But it's spiritual from the Christian perspective in that we are going to the Holy Spirit. We're going to the Holy Spirit. And when you've been born again, You have the Holy Spirit within you. He is with you wherever you go. He is always there. You may not always realize his presence. You may not always be aware of his presence. But I promise you, everywhere you go, everywhere you are, if you think those fears are with you wherever you go and wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is even more so. Because the Bible says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. So if you've been born again, and again a phrase that the press have hijacked and all of that rubbish, but if you've been born again in its genuine meaning, that you have the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Son and the Father to you, living in you, then he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, even if the lights go out, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you, but we're going to carry on, we don't need lights, you don't need to see me. Just listen to me. Pretend you're listening on the podcast like these guys who are in, in the cars and whatever. Number two, I could go on so much, but because of time, I'd love to expand on these so much more. Number two, you, oh, well, number, let's just, sorry, just wrap it up. You need a spiritual haven. I'm going to say that again. Number one is you need a spiritual haven. Not a demonic spiritual haven, but a Holy Spirit haven. A place where you can go to that is not of this earth, but that is a spiritual place where you are with God and nothing can get near you. Nothing can touch you. You are safe. Wrapped up in loving arms, if you like, perfectly safe. So much you could say on that, so much I want to say on that, but I want to get through all six. Number two is people. You need the right people in your life. You see, we were designed to do this life together, not on our own. We need each other. It's so important that you've got the right people around you. The Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. You could say that as an umbrella over all of this message, that perfect love casts out all fear. And each one I'm going to talk about, the type of haven. This is a, 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 a personal haven, a person that you can go to who you know when you're with them, you're safe. Now when you're little, that might be your mum or your dad. And you know when maybe that, that guy or that boy who's a couple of years older than you and he's big and he's hard and he says, I'm going to kill you and you go home and, you, and you're there at night in bed and you're like, I'm safe here because my dad won't let him in and I'm in a safe place. That's a, that's a, a personal haven, isn't it? But as we grow up and we mature, that personal haven is different. It's someone we can... I've seen the light. (laughs) It's someone that we can uh, go to and we can talk with. And we just know that when we're with that person, their advice is good. They're for us. They're they're, going to help us. And and they're sound. They're a good, healthy person. Bible says that unity commands a blessing. Do you know, more and more, we've found in our marriage, and I say this so many times, excuse me, that, wow, I, I, you know, you get a, a, good, a good husband or wife. You get a, um, or a husband or wife who will commit to you and you commit to each other. It's not, it's not just about love. It's about commitment. It's about fulfilling your vows. It's about, you know, the vows that you make to God. It's about fulfilling them. And in that, in that, in that discipline of doing that, and it doesn't have to be a husband or a wife. Let me explain what I mean. It can be a good friend, it can be a confidant, a sister or a brother that you know they're with you. Maybe you're single, that's okay. Maybe you're too young to marry. Maybe you just, it's not for you to marry, whatever, it doesn't matter. But you have a confidant, a friend, a brother, a sister. Someone who's, a, who's in the church, who's a Christian, the good and the sound, and you can go to them and you know that they will give you good advice. They're a personal haven. They are, they are so good. Because unity, it commands it. So when you get with that person, it has to command a blessing on it. You have to be blessed. That's why we have to be blessed in church. I sometimes see in the world, you know, you go around, don't you, and you, you hear about people who are just lonely. They live in, the, in a house. They don't see another soul from day to day, from week to week, from month to month. And I think, you know, what a crying shame when there's churches up and down the land where they could go to and they could find friends and, and, and fellowship, we call it in church, don't we? Fellowship, friendship, mates. Sisters, brothers, friends, buddies whatever you want to call it, I don't care. No one needs to be alone. And it's that person that shows the love of Jesus in your life. They display that love of Jesus, they don't condemn you, they give you wisdom. They give you sound advice. They don't judge you. They're just your friend. They might tell you, you know, yeah, you're on a wrong track there. You need to go this way instead of that way. That's different to judging, isn't it? I mean, the, the condemning judgment. They don't do that. But they do the wisdom stuff that comes with it. We all need personal havens. Number three. This has been such a comfort to me. This has been such a strength to me. We're not even at the, 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 the biggest stuff yet. Number three is a, a place. A place. Where's your place? When I first became a Christian, I, I, I found driving down the M62 back home, from Warrington where was the church was when I first came and I was still living on Merseyside and I'd be driving down the 62 and I'd just look up at the sky and the stars and I'd be like, wow, you know, at night and you can just see it all and how vast and how awesome it is. And I'd be driving around on my own in the car just praying and asking God for answers and solutions and things like that. And that became a, a, a personal place. And then as time went on, I remember I was working in a place called Denton uh, on East Manchester. And there's a, a there's some woods there, uh, like a, a bit of a small f- kind of forest type area. And uh, on the kind of east side of the, um, there's the Ring Road now, isn't it? The Ring Road Motorway. And you'd get off and, and I'd just, I just, I'd have an hour and I'd just go off to that place. It was a little car park. There'd sometimes be horses. I remember one time and and I was going through a financial problem and I remember someone telling me about, uh, about shouting grace at it and going off into the woods and shouting at the top of my voice, grace, 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 the top of my voice. Grace, grace, grace. In other situations I've shouted, next, next, next. Moving on from that one, next! Walton Gardens is another one for me. There's a, on, on, although, please don't tell everyone about this because there's only limited parking at this one. There's the main car park at Walton Gardens, but if you come round the other way from Stockton Heath and you come along the canal, there's a little bridge and you can get to the, to the car park from that way, but just before the little bridge on your left, there's some little parking spaces and there's some ducks there and I, I used to pull up there and I've done it since, not so much recently, and I'd pull up there and I'd just sit in the car and and there's the canal and there's ducks going along and the sun's always tended to be shining at that place. I probably shouldn't say that because you're going to be heading off there to find out where the sun is, aren't you? And I'd just be there, in, just sat there and just praying and, and with God. Peck's Hill, we've moved to Widness recently and, and Peck's Hill, it's just a little, it's more of a Peck's Mound than a hill. I don't know if you can technically call it a hill to be quite honest, it's not that big. But you get to the top of it, it's a little car park. And a couple of years ago, uh, April, beginning of April, 1st of April 2017, I was sat there and I was praying to God and I was saying, God, you know, I feel like we need, it uh, 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 feels like you're saying something about the church and like you moving on, what's the next thing? And I'm praying, I'm saying, God, what is it? And he said, Barry, that prophecy that Chris gave you from America a couple of years ago or a year ago that you just kind of shelved and, and just kept in your heart and you left, it's that transformed I believe the church because we've got a vision we know where we're going we know what we should do we know that we should do it we know the why the one percent the one percent of Warrington it's like the the lost sheep after they leave the 99 the one percent of Warrington God's given to us they're our charge they're ours they're our that's our watch they're the ones God's given us hope church responsibility for in Warrington how powerful is that our job, our unity together to go and find them. My office, the middle of the night, it can be a time as well. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and it's them. We all need places, safe places, haven places where we can get alone with God. Number four, because all of those you might have tried and gone, well, yeah, all right, Barry, that's all great, but I've not really found that, you know, I've done those things and it's not worth, but we have not done the six yet. So Just give me a minute. Yeah, don't judge too soon, all right? (laughs) Number four is healing. Healing. Because here's the thing, right? There's been some things in my life that have affected me, some battles that have been through, some scars that have been left with. And I I heard it described like this. um, People who work in the emergency services, police, fire, ambulance, Coast Guard, all that kind of stuff. They have to have regular counselling. Regular counselling sessions, some more than others. you C- imagine if you're regularly attending scenes where someone's been killed in a car crash. You know, and you you, you, you with police, it's the they write down the dying words, things like that. That that's gonna affect you, innit? I, I know for me and Vicky, we've we've counseled two couples recently. Got marriage breakdown and we, we know this principle, so we've guarded ourselves against it or been aware of it and being careful that it can affect us, could affect us. We could be looking at that situation. I could be looking at the husband and thinking, well, he's been treated badly by his wife and, and then start projecting that onto Vicky and going, well, hold on, she does that to me. Or she could do the same. She could be looking at the wife and going, well, she's, she's been treated badly by her husband. There's no judgment here on either of them. just giving examples. And be going, well, Barry does that to me can affect you it can it can come on you these situations they come on us in life and some of them we need healing from we need healing from if it's if these situations are recurring and they're out of your control and you can't stop them in your thoughts no matter what you do you do the others you do the other three you go into God you pray and you believe all of this stuff but they're still coming then you need healing it's not a big deal not a big deal. I do it all the time. Get healed regularly, uh, at least once a week, I would say. Something else comes up, and I'm suddenly I'm like, oh man, that's affecting me, and I, and I go off to my safe place, or I have a chat with my, you know, whoever it is that, you know, the people in my life who I know I can go to, or whatever it is, and I go, and then I'm like, okay God, I get on my own with God then, and I'm like, right God, I need healing. I need Healing, I want to be healed of this. And and I want to tell you how. Because it's not just a case of going to God for healing and asking him, sometimes that works, sometimes that right. But that wasn't the only way that God healed people. There were occasions, many occasions in the Bible where the healing came through the laying on of hands. So an anointed man would place his hands on the sick and they would recover would place the hand on the sick place the hand there and they would recover and they would be healed and it's akin to you know when you anyone who's got children or anyone being a child in this place ever (laughs) (laughs) and like you know you fell over and you cut all your leg and everything you went running to your mum or your dad and they went oh come here you'll be all right you'll be okay that you, you know it's like an automatic response isn't it it's in us It's that type of thing. And a a godly man can heal a spiritual problem. A godly man can heal a, 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 a recurring fear and an emotion and all of these things in the twinkling of an eye. And you know, when it's truly done, it's done forever. It's done forever. There might be layers. There might be a few more layers, but it's done forever. Number five. Because number four, we'll just touch on again at the end. I'm going to have to be quick, aren't I? Number five. Okay, we'll get to on the last two. We're nearly there. Thanks, mate. Number five: the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Sometimes it's as simple as renewing your mind. Are you reading the Bible? Are you, are you actually reading it? Are you reading this stuff? And, and you might say, well, yeah, I'm, but I don't understand it. Well, okay, let's go back to number three. You're going to, to your people there and saying, hey, I read this. I don't understand this. Or where can I go in the Bible to get this help? The renewing of your mind. You know, people come to me and Vicki for support and counseling and guidance. And I, I, I've got to be able to see, this is what I wrote down. It, it came to me because th- this is a principle and no one thought, yeah, it's probably the one to share. I've got to, if someone comes to me for, for guidance that I'm not sure about this or can you help me with this? I've got to be able to see what they can't. Because they can't see it. And so then I've got to be able to see what they can't, and sometimes people have been able to see what I can't see. It's, it's all of us; it goes round, doesn't it? And I've got to be able to see what they can't, and then and then and then you know find a way of telling them in a way that they can receive it, and they'll take it, and they can move on, and it's going to help them. And one of the biggest problems with fear and anxiety, one of the biggest things that causes it is the meaning that you're assigning to the situation. So a situation occurs. And these are the biggies, number four and five, healing and the renewing of the mind. So number five, right, this is easier to explain because number four, is, it's hard to explain. It's spiritual, isn't it? It's powerful. It's effective. It just works. Number five, it, it's, so for example, right, let's imagine someone, you know, says something to you and you're like, they humiliated me. And you get all worked up, you know, like those emotions of like anger and stuff like that, the ones you think, the ones you process, not fear now, anger and all this stuff. And so someone does that and you process it and you go, they're humiliating me, they're making a fool out of me. And you get all angry and all knotted up in your stomach and, and you're going over it all day. And you, then you're going home and you're telling your missus or you're telling your old bubby and you're giving it all this and you're like, do you know what they just did? They parked in front of in my spot. <laughs> they know that's my spot. They're, they're disrespecting me. That's not their spot. They're making a fool out of me. The bossy humiliated me in front of everyone. You name it. You, you can come up with your own situations. There's so many of them. Here's the thing, Right? is that going to help you no were they actually do you know they were doing that to humiliate you do you actually know that Are you all knowledge am i all knowledge any of us all knowledge that we know exactly what that other person was doing so why is it that it was so often i mean we, we do it don't we although once you get understand this principle, hopefully you'll be like me and you'll try and stop doing it if you're not already doing that and and just make it a goal in your life not to do that. Reserve judgment. And in fact, pick the meaning that helps best. Pick the meaning that helps best. It could be, hey, listen, they were just a bit naive. They were a bit, you know, they didn't understand. They were this, they were that. They're going through their own issues. And then years where they all tie in beautifully together because then what you do is you go to your safe place. You go to God. You take the situation to him and you, and you present it to him and you say, God, what, what's the meaning here? What's the meaning of this situation? I don't know. It looks like this. But I need you to help me. I need to know how do I process this? How do I deal with this situation? I need my mind renewing because at the moment I'm all angry and worked up because they've humiliated me and I'm all knotted and I can't function. And people are telling me, come on, get a grip of yourself. And I just carry on and carry on and I can't seem to stop. Remember, it's spiritual. You've got to go to God spiritually. You can do, and I've done it loads of times, like the, the whole, you know, on the, at the end of the bed. It always seems to be the end of the bed for me. I don't know why. It seems to have worked in the past, so it's as good a place as any, isn't it? You know, down on the knees and praying out loud to God and that kind of stuff, you know? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not decrying that. I do it. I'm telling you, I do it. You know, but it's, it's not that, is it? That's a part of it. I, I'm not going to God as if he's at the end of me bed <laughs> you know I'm, I'm going to him be you know this is really like I'm going to him humbly this is really me going God I need your help oh, wow I need your help here I, 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 I'm overwhelmed I can't deal with it's too big I can't do this on my own I need your strength I need your strength to get me through. I need you to pick me up and give me the strength. In fact, do you know what I've started praying more and more? God, I'm not even asking you to take the situation away. situation is what it is. I'm not even asking you to take it away. Give me the strength. Give me the courage. Give me the people. Give me what I need to deal with it. Change me. So that I know what to do. So that I can be a leader in this situation. I can transform it. That's where the, that's where the answer is. That's where the victory is. That's where the strength is. Because if he takes it away, well that's great, that's good. And there's times when God does that. Particularly when you're a new Christian. But if you just keep taking the situation away. When the next one that's similar comes up, I'm in the same mess again. Whereas if he shows me how to deal with it, the next time it comes, I'm like, got this. Been there before, I'm going to deal with this. But they just keep saying, oh, just God, just take it away. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. God's like, okay, I'll I'll keep taking it away for you, Barry. But, you know, you're you're never going to grow. Am I going to... It's the renewing of the mind. And the renewing of the mind is going to God and saying, God, give me the solution. Give me the creative answer to this problem. He's a creative God. He created the universe out of nothing. So that it might seem like there's no way there's a solution to this problem. That's fine. That's absolutely okay. Because God will make it out of nothing. Someone might be mocking and saying, 1% to Warrington, it'll never happen. You won't do that. I'm like, bring it on. You keep saying it because you're mocking God. And what, do you think God's going to stand there and be mocked? Do you really think he's going to do that? So I'm like, oh, no, stop these people from saying that. No, let them say it. Let people say what they want. Let people think what they want. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. The only opinion that really matters is God's and what he thinks and what he says. Who are we really putting our trust in? Are we putting our trust in the guy who says what's going to happen or what's not going to happen? Are we putting our trust and our faith and our hope in God, the creator of the universe that can make everything out of nothing, let alone something out of nothing? He can do it immeasurably more than you could ever imagine he can do, immeasurably more. There's no situation, there's no circumstance that could ever come up against you in your life that you cannot deal with, that you cannot overcome, that God cannot give you the answer to. Not a single situation, there's nothing, I don't care what it is. Every one of them has got an answer. When you take it to God for meaning, you go to the doctor, he says you've got two days to live. You take it to God, you say, God, what's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of it? See what God's got to say on it get his meaning, I'm, I'm kind of going, I've, I've got to, somebody stop me, <laughs> I'll try not to be too long, right, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll wrap it up, because I've not got to number six yet, all right, <laughs> am I all right for a few more minutes, I've gone well over, <laughs> musicians, can we get the musicians up, give them a bit of hope, <laughs> I am finishing, I am ending, Number six, final one. And again, it's one of these, one of the six that without this, it won't actually work. You just keep going around in circles. Wayne, come up this way. Don't go around the back. Yeah, come up this way though, because then you don't have to go out the room. Don't worry. They always go around the back and they're doing it. You come up this way, mate. He doesn't wanna, you doesn't want to, he's there at the back. That's like, that's so good, mate. You, that's just such an encouragement. He's there at the back. you can see he doesn't want to leave and get it. Come on, mate. Come on up. Love you, mate. Come here. Absolutely love you, man. What a strength. You know, we talk about people. Oh, man. Number six. Hey, get them in, mate. It is your ability. All of this is is based on your ability to get yourself to act. Because if you do all the other five, you go to your your, your safe place, you go to your person, all of that stuff. The healing one, you know, someone lays hands on your heels, that one may be slightly out there because that one, you know, you're healed of it. So but you could end up getting attacked again by the same thing, couldn't you? Get healed of a disease and then get it again. That could happen, couldn't it? Paramedic, you know, a a young boy dies in front of his father and he's there dealing with it and then he goes for counseling, he gets dealt with it and he's okay. So you could say he's healed, it's just a metaphor, but then a, a, a few months later, there's a similar situation, the same, and he's back in it again, isn't he? So it could come back. But number six, you see, it's only down to your ability to get yourself to take action. God can do all of the things that he can do. But if you sit on your backside and do nothing and just keep moaning and complaining about the situation and living and wallowing in your mess, you will never, ever change. You might spend your life blaming God and asking God why, and he'd be like, do you not remember that preach by Barry Cross on the you know, 30th of June, 2019? I told you then, didn't I? You, you've got to act. You've got to do what I've told you to do. I've told you what to do. Go and do it. Go and act. Go and sort the situation out. Go and face it. Go and deal with it. You've got to act. Ask God what to do. And then act. Act in faith. Act bold. Act in your strength. Psalm 61, King David, if you think some of this is a bit woolly and a bit fluffy and you're like, oh man, this is all light, like, you know, it's all a bit light, like, you know, emotions and weak and all of that. So King David, right, he was a mighty man of war. As a child, he defeated a, a huge giant of a man when all the rest of an entire nation wouldn't, wouldn't even go up to him because they were so scared. And he faced him, yet he had his fears over and over again. King David had his fears. And he said, Oh God, listen to my cry. Psalm 61. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety, the safe place, the safe place, the haven, the haven. For you are my safe refuge. A fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary. He's not on about leaving earth. He's on about having the Holy Spirit with him wherever he goes. He experienced the Holy Spirit, David did. But he didn't have it like we have it. 24-7, all the time. Born again. Safe beneath the shelter of your wings for you've heard my vows O god you've given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name add many years to the life of the king may his years span the generations may you reign under god's protection forever may your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him then i will sing praises to your name forever as I fulfill my vows day after day, hallelujah, hallelujah. you need healing, you need healing don 't leave this place without coming to us. You want to come to the front and get healing you want someone to put you know to put a hand on you and pray for your healing come to the front don 't leave this place without getting healing. If all the mental stuff and you, your thinking's right, you renewed your mind, but it 's still there. Come, can be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Amen.